Welcome to Momletics. I'm your host, Rebecca Sheehan. Here at Momletics, we make politics palatable for parents. If you've listened before, you know my goal is to help keep you informed in order to make the best decisions possible for your families without all the negativity that's all too common in mainstream media and social media. But I'm warning you, this episode requires introducing the sorry state of things before we get to talk about solutions. And the topic is something we all love, food. But sadly, so much of the food we think we're eating just isn't what it used to be. Did you know the majority of the apple juice in America actually comes from Chinese-made concentrate, which is known to contain banned pesticides and chemicals? I didn't either. And if the price is too good to be true, it probably is. The majority of truffle oil sold, for example, has chemically engineered flavor, and the maple syrup on store shelves that's actually affordable? There's nothing maple about it except for the artificial flavor added to high fructose corn syrup. Yuck. By the way, do you know how fructose is utilized in nature? The simple sugar is consumed and metabolized by hibernating animals like bears because A, it tricks them into not feeling full, and B, helps their bodies store extra fat so they survive the winter. Guys, this is the stuff that we're putting into our bodies and our kids' bodies all the time. Because so much of what we consume is misleading, chemically engineered to make us crave more of it, or just downright unhealthy, our obesity epidemic just keeps getting worse. In America, about one in three adults and one in five kids is obese. And sadly, the skyrocketing prices of fresh produce makes it prohibitive for many families to buy whole natural foods let alone from Whole Foods. I told you the beginning of this episode would be depressing, but luckily I'm not the only one to notice all of this. You probably have too, and it seems like there's a whole industry now of professionals dedicated to teaching us how to lead healthier lives. But for moms and dads on a budget, paying a nutritionist and buying natural foods and having time to cook from scratch is pretty unrealistic, which is why I asked Laura Reardon to join Momletics today. She's a national board-certified health and well-being coach and creator of Simply Cooking. Her specialty, affordable, healthy, and easy recipes. And I'm so excited she's here to impart her wisdom. Laura Reardon, thank you so much for joining us today on Momletics. Oh, I'm so happy to be here and talk about this topic with you, Rebecca. Great. So I guess let's start by talking about Simply Cooking. Mm -hmm. You could just share with us when you started it and why. Simply Cooking is 20 years old. We started it in 2003 when I had little children. I started it actually with two dietitians. I had a marketing background and working full time and having small children. I found that if I had a certain repertoire of ingredients on hand, there was always something to make for dinner. As part of our early ventures, we were actually helping people with their pantries and would consult with them on their pantries and found that many people, spices, for instance, that have three of the same ones, three jars of oregano. I might be guilty of that. <laughs> yes, so many people are. And actually, they had many more things in their kitchens than they even needed to cook good meals on a daily basis. There were way too many things there. So a severe edit. And that's where having a pantry as a guideline can really help. Well, what do I need and what don't I need? One way to think about it is um, 
things that you would buy on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and things you might buy seasonally. And actually on the website, I have it divided out that way. So things that you can buy on a weekly basis, and that would be things like basic produce, lemons, limes, bananas, oranges, apples. I'll throw in a couple of uh, spices too, herbs, fresh parsley. That's a great ingredient. You can do so much with it from making pesto to putting it in salads to mincing up a bunch of it and putting it over noodles or in pasta. It's loaded with vitamins. It's a really great ingredient to have. Um, and fresh mint is another one. I always have on hand fresh mint in the summertime. It grows in my garden. But in wintertime, I buy the little packages and they're $3 and I get a lot of use out of it. So, you know, things like the potatoes and onions, um, those are things that you can restock on a weekly basis. Anything dairy-wise, eggs um, and meats. Other items might be more monthly, like I'm a fan of Tetra Packs rather than cans. So Tetra Packs of beans or tomatoes. Rather than a can, it's the little square cardboard box. And so you're not having the uh, aluminum influence of the, of the can. I try to minimize condiments. So not having jars of salad dressing and all barbecue sauce and all of that. Those items tend to be highly processed. Um, you don't really know what's in them and you can make them yourself so easily. Can we talk about canola oil for a second? Because a lot of the salad dressing, speaking of, have canola oil as one of the top ingredients. And I've heard it's terrible for you because of the way um, it's processed. But do you know much about that? That's a controversial one. Um, there's different schools of thought on that. Personally, I happen to be with you and I don't use it. I think there's other choices. I go for more really high quality cold press extra virgin olive oil or um, a grapeseed oil. If I'm going to use it in baking or coconut oil, I tend to stay away from canola oil. Okay, good to know. So when you talk about your set pantry of ingredients, does it help save money? Does it create less waste, help us become healthier? I believe all three. So I think it does save money because it provides you with some focus. When you go to the store, you know what you're going to get and um, you know you're going to use it. It's not going to go to waste. I'm so guilty, by the way, of um, buying produce for one specific recipe and then just using that portion and then the rest of it goes bad. Oh, I know. That's another reason why this whole concept with Simply Cooking is a collection of recipes that go with the pantry so that if you're buying parsley, you know, there's not just, you're not buying it for just one recipe. Or if you're, you know, buying coconut oil, you're not buying it just for one thing. You use it over and over and over. And even with the spices, you know, I really recommend buying way fewer spices. I'm a fan of pumpkin pie spice. You don't need all the variations of ginger and nutmeg and oregano and all of that. You know, just buy kind of a general one, pumpkin pie spice or Italian seasoning. There's another one. If someone wants to understand more how to utilize a certain spice and what dishes it goes well in, how do you learn that? By tasting and cooking yourself. There's no substitute for that. And that's, that's so much what I believe in, why this pantry concept is important, that we spend more time cooking and less time 
looking for inspiration outside of ourselves and making lists and shopping and doing all of these things that we kind of keep it simpler. And we spend our time in the kitchen, actually cooking, actually experimenting, using our senses, wondering what would happen if I put mint in with these peas? <laughs> what would that taste like? I actually put mint in a quiche earlier this week. It was phenomenal. You know, using your own tastes and your own senses, you know, what it smells like and um, what just what sounds good is so much of the fun of cooking. It's a really a magical place, the kitchen. If you look at it as a playground and a place to experiment. So when we talk about spending more time in the kitchen, I'd love to talk about how we can kind of fold our children into this process. Our kids, at least, are very interested in cooking, and it's so sweet to see their enthusiasm. But there are sharp knives and can openers and flames, and it also kind of terrifies me to think sure. of three little ones running around while I'm also trying to get their dinner ready before 9 o'clock at night. So right. what would your advice be on getting young children involved in a safe way? Well, you know, it depends, of course, on their age and their ability. But I would say first and foremost, just keep trying and keep letting them find things to do. It could be cracking an egg, you know, and they might get shell in it. And maybe it will take three eggs in order to get one without shell. Um, whisking, stirring. There's plenty of things to do. Washing produce, drying produce, looking at the plate of strawberries, you know, which ones look spoiled. Let's put those out. So there's so many jobs that even really tiny kids can do in the kitchen. You know, what value do you think it brings to them? Like, why shouldn't I just say, oh, go play until dinner's ready. And then it's a lot easier for me. Well, I think there's many. One is cooking is a wonderful way to connect with nature. It's an opportunity for them to have a sensory experience, touching food, smelling, tasting. Those are really important things for all of us. Um, I know that from, you know, well-being coaching, I work with people on opening their senses. As we get to be adults, our senses close off so much from the world and it affects our well-being, it affects our mental state. And that's true for children too. So having that sensory experience, also communicating, being with you, talking to you about, you know, the food that's being prepared. Those are all really valuable experiences for children to have and to, over time, learn how to cook for themselves because we all need to know how to do that on some level. My children are grown now and uh, I hear this conversation with their friends. How do I cook for myself? Oh my, I'd really like to have steak for dinner. You know, how do I make this? So over time, they're learning. They're learning a lot. That's great. And I think beyond that too, the experience of dining together as a family is so valuable. So they're learning so much with cooking and then to be able to eat all together as a family. Can you talk about the importance of that as well? It's so important for all of us, especially for children. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be formal and with cloth napkins. I mean, it's just it, what really matters is that the family is doing it and they're gathering, sharing a meal, 
being able to talk and communicate. These are such important things. And there's studies that show how the mental well-being of individuals really helps, especially with children um, when they're dining with their family several nights a week. I've been hearing a lot of that lately too, because we just seem to lead such separate lives with our devices, with kids being so overscheduled to be able to take a pause device-free and actually have a conversation, as you said. Yes. There's just something timeless about that too. Yes, there really is. And for children, I just can't imagine any extracurricular activity that is so important that it would preclude a family from dining together several or a couple at least nights a week. Maybe not every night, you know, there's certainly dancing lessons at six o'clock or, you know, a soccer practice at 630. There's going to be those nights in modern, the modern way that we live, but to really on a regular basis, get together as a family and, and dine together. And I think even going as far as even preparing the meal together, having the kids help, maybe it's setting the table, maybe it's helping with the dishes. You know, it's really a wonderful thing we can all do for our mental well-being. It does have such a positive impact. The other day we uh, instituted a new setting the table policy because it was just chaos. So each of the kids has a different job now. One is chargers, one is silverware, and one is napkins. And now they take oh, their jobs so seriously and are so proud. And they love, love eating in the dining room together with the whole family. It's yeah. And you mentioned the dining room. I want to interject another idea. I really believe that the kitchen should be for cooking. So one thing that you can do is to make your kitchen for cooking. So there's no TV. There's no computer work going on. You're not paying your bills in the kitchen. And I love that you go to your dining room for eating. I'm a big believer in that. We do the same thing. I love making a mess in the kitchen and then eating in the other room. And I don't look at it. <laughs> it's a separate activity, the eating and the cooking. And you don't have to have a big kitchen. Um, when I started Simply Cooking, I had a tiny, tiny kitchen. It was a galley kitchen. And so out of necessity, we ate in our dining room. That's how I got onto that is because, you know, a high chair didn't fit in the kitchen. <laughs> and through the years, I just... Um, realized the, the huge benefit of being able to close the kitchen door and really enjoy the meal. Take your time, eat more slowly. I love that. So switching gears a little bit from dinner to lunch. I know a lot of parents listening to this are having to prepare lunches every day for their kids, and that can get a little bit tough. And I have to admit, I love those packaged snacks. <sighs> You know, I try to find the natural ones with few ingredients, but it's just so much easier than having to make time in the morning to manually slice fruits and vegetables and things when it's, you know, usually so hectic. So what advice do you have for parents trying to prep their kids' lunches? How can we make it easier for ourselves while also being healthy and affordable? Yeah. Leftovers is a great idea. Um, I remember from my lunch packing days that, you know, if there's a food a child really likes, put some of the leftovers in their lunch. You know, maybe it's not something typically they would, you know, that you think of as a lunch food. Our twins have a friend in class who always gets steak in his school lunch. 
Yeah. Oh, Reese gets steak. That's so cool. Yeah. And no, his mom isn't cooking it in the morning. It's clearly leftovers. It's a great thing to do. I think just being creative, it's it's a little bit tricky, you know, because you want to tend to put healthy things in there, but they might not eat it. And so you really want them to be excited about it and eat it. So that's why I like the leftovers idea is, you know, they'll eat it. Yeah, that is the frustrating thing. It's like if you do splurge and buy berries in the winter time, and then they come home warm, soggy, and uneaten, and then you just have to throw them out because they're now inedible. It can right. be a little bit frustrating and make you not want to give them more fruit, but I guess you right. have to keep trying, right? You have to keep trying. And once you're on some onto something, you know, just keep doing it. The thing I remember with my son, who was a very picky eater, he for years would take apple slices in his lunch and he and it wasn't an apple he liked the apple sliced and I would put lemon juice in it and put it in a baggie shake it up and so they didn't turn yellow his friends were wondering how come your apple slices look so good all the time you know for years they had been curious about his apple slices and that was just what we did we always put the apple slices in I love that I've heard that trick with avocados to keep them from turning, but never with apples. Yeah, a few little drops of lemon. So what are your favorite um, go-to meals for kids or just kind of crowd pleasers for the whole family? This uh, recipe is on Simply Cooking. It's called crispy chicken. My son loved chicken fingers and wanted chicken fingers every night for dinner. That was like one of the few foods he really liked as a (laughs) three-year-old. Is a very picky eater. So I came up with this recipe for crispy chicken and it uses flattened chicken breasts. If your butcher can flatten the chicken breast or um, like chicken tenders, if they're in the package, but just some kind of a chicken that's already flattened and you just marinate it a little bit, roll it into some breadcrumbs and thread it on a skewer and broil it. And it's, better. It's moist. It's crunchy. And um, it was a family favorite because he would be getting his, you know, like his version of a chicken tender. Everybody else would maybe have a big green salad and toss the chicken in there. I'm hungry just thinking about this. Why do you do the skewer? (laughs) It kind of weaves in the skewer. So it's like a long flat piece and you weave it through And I don't know, it just makes the chicken cook in a unique way when it's broiled. So it's really tender. Sounds delicious. You were saying earlier that you are still creating recipes for your son. I love that. Yes. Now it's for him to cook on his own, though, because he's grown in his early 20s and um, having to cook dinner for himself and acutely aware of how expensive food is. In talking about the expensive food, Obviously, inflation is a significant issue right now. Do you have any tips or tricks or workarounds to not have to spend a ton of money, but still eat healthy? Bake as much as you can on your own. I've started making my own yogurt. I figured out how to make it in an Instapot. I don't know if anybody else has noticed the price of yogurt. It can be really expensive. I'm going to have to try that because I eat a yogurt every single morning for breakfast. We do do too. And I make it and put it in a jar, which makes it really great. You just scoop out as much as you want. You can scoop out and use it as a substitute for sour cream. I can make two large jars of yogurt that last at least several weeks 
for six dollars if I buy, you know, like the premium kind of milk, grass-fed, non-GMO, no hormones, etc. You know, processed foods are expensive. You know, like even jarred tomato sauce. There's some very alluring jarred tomato sauces that, you know, have uh, seemingly a story behind them and whatnot, just to stay away from those sorts of things. Because those are also the products that tend to have the additives and the high fructose corn syrup and these hidden kind of ingredients. When you're making it yourself, you can really control what goes into it. When we talk about fresh produce, how do you feel about the pesticide issue? I mean, is it necessary to buy organic or... Are we safe buying regular tomatoes, regular lettuce? It really depends on your own budget and uh, where you're buying things. And the example I use is I buy in the summer a lot of my produce from a farmer's market. And it's not marked as organic. But I know through developing a relationship with the people at the farmer's market, I know that they're sourcing the produce from farmers who are using really good farming practices and as few chemicals as possible. They can't afford to get the organic certification, which is a whole topic in itself. So I feel good about buying those products, even though they're not labeled as organic from that particular supplier. Farmer's Um, market's a great idea. And that's, that could be a fun activity to do with the kids also get them involved in the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And finding new foods to try, you know, kids always point things out like, what is this? You know, and you think, gosh, I don't know. Well, let's buy one and try it. You know, if it's a star fruit or something like that. These are all such valuable experiences for kids. But on the organic issue, you might find a product that looks really beautiful. It's not organic and sitting right next to it is an organic choice that doesn't look as good. I would probably go with the non-organic that looks really great. Do you have any tips for washing fruits and vegetables? Because I just rinse them, but maybe that's not good enough. Me too. I just rinse them. (laughs) We saw all these fancy sprays and cloths now. I am a believer in filtered water. So I rinse them with filtered water. Good to know. For people who aren't expert cooks. So you think that instead of researching all these different recipes, you should just test things out and use your imagination? On one hand, we want to make sure that we're not wasting ingredients and wasting our time. So we do need a good source for recipes. But we want to make sure, I think, that we're not getting too complicated and too caught up in recipes that are complex and maybe beyond what, if if we don't like cooking that much or we're not um, that experienced with it, that It's not beyond our ability, you know, and really just keep it simple. I'm a really big believer in just keeping it simple, focusing on the ingredients and doing minimal things with them. I know we talked about avocados and just the whole idea of taking a beautiful avocado or two and slicing it up, arranging it on a plate like a flower with a squeeze of lemon, a drizzle of olive oil, salt and pepper, and leave the avocado be, you know, and it's delicious. Anyone can do that. Um, You don't necessarily need a recipe. So just keeping things simple. There's a lot of ideas we have about what it would look like if it was perfect. 
And to be able to let go of some of that, to focus on not so much the what of cooking meals, but the how, how we're doing it, how we're mindfully preparing the food, how we're mindfully eating, how we're coming together as a family, how we how we feel when we're cooking, are we relaxed or we stressed out? These things matter just as much as perhaps any toxicity that could be <laughs> in ingredients. You know, that's such a good point because recently we started a Taco Tuesday tradition. And what I love most about it isn't the actual taste of the taco, but it's the whole process of spending the afternoon preparing and how much fun we have at the dinner table listening to our fun Latino music. And the kids now like to take their taco shells and cut little circles in them to make them into masks. So they'll have the eye holes and then the nose hole and they're just laughing and having a grand old time. Yes, that's it. That's the spirit. That's the spirit of it. You know, and that's so much more valuable and important than, you know, if the meat was grass fed or not. (laughs) Well, I love that. So sort of ending on a more optimistic note, you've been doing this for 20 years. Looking ahead to the future, are you hopeful that even though obesity rates are climbing, that the health of Americans will improve? I am hopeful. We have more choice of ingredients out there than we've ever had. We have an abundance of food products that are better quality than we've ever had. So on one hand, we have these chemicals and additives and, you know, kind of this very real part of that you pointed out so well in the beginning, but we also have like yogurt is a good example. If you wanted to buy yogurt, there's, you know, 10 different choices of kinds of yogurt. You can get the different milk. 20 years ago, that wasn't the case, you know, Um, and more and more products are coming onto the market, different grains for flowers that are more healthful for us and different kinds of sweeteners. And so I see two sides of it where there's kind of the darker side, but I think there's also a brighter side too. And so I'm really hopeful that as we go forward, that these products that are more beneficial to us are going to really gain momentum and be the mainstream choices. And some of these others that are not as good for us are going to fall away. Well, Laura, thank you so much. And please keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to check out some of these recipes on your website and also search by ingredient. I'm very please, inspired to stock. Please my do. I have a lot of content. There's going to be a lot of new things coming very soon. So I'm putting the link up right there for those of you listening. It's simplycooking.net. So she's got recipes up there like the crispy chicken she mentioned, even the sliced avocados. That's a recipe, right? Yes, it is. I would just encourage everyone to make time to cook. I will tonight with the kids. We've got some time to kill. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us on Momletics today, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>